Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. It's always a delight to be able to gather together. We talk a lot about presence and participation and how important those are, and, and they certainly are. We always usually say, too, that we're delighted to be able to connect via live stream and podcasts and, and all this stuff, and, and we are, but, but we say that a little differently today. Um, uh, this is weird, right? And, and to be honest, I really don't like it. I don't like the chairs being apart. Uh, it, it really is bothering me um, because we're, we're family and families, we want to sit together, right? And this feels like just like this forced distance. Uh, and there's lots of other things we're doing that are, they, they get at me. And, and I miss the people who aren't here. Um, but I am thankful that there's a way for us to engage. There's a way for us to connect that we worship and believe in a God who is bigger than geographical distance, who is bigger than rules and recommendations and all these things that we're trying to work with, that God is somehow able to hold all of that and hold us uh, together. I'm very thankful for that today. Um, but I do, uh, as I wanna, uh, we always pray before we, we start, I do wanna to, to take in and, and add to our prayers the things that are happening in, in our world because Jesus enters all of this. Um, yeah, so let me pray uh, and, then, and then we'll start. God, I'm, I'm thankful for this day, and I'm thankful for your presence in our lives. God, we pray for our world. We pray for uh, all the division that seems to be cropping up. There's already been so much division that's happening, and this just seems to add to that. It seems to kind of move it to a different level. And so I pray that we would find ways to stay connected. We would call each other, we would send letters, people can remember what those are, we can email, we can chat, we can, we can find ways, we can stop by and visit if it works. But I pray we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't let the, this virus that's going around keep us from being connected. And even if it's just simply that we remember that there are others that we know that serve and live and move and have our being in the same God, that we would feel that connection there. God, I pray against any racism that would take place. God, already with the rampant racism in our world, I just pray against this also here. I pray for our city. God, is our city is like kind of the one that everyone's looking at. Um, and that stirs up in us some anxiety, some weirdness, feels weird. Uh, Lord, so I just pray you come along and comfort us. Lord, help us to know when we've been a little too attached to the constant updates. Help us know when we need to just step away for a minute. Maybe we can take that time and email a friend. Maybe we can contact someone. Maybe we can find a way to connect. Lord, we certainly pray for uh, anyone who has lost family or friends, anyone who is facing uh, in, the, in the midst of being tested and fearful about that. Um, Lord, we pray that you would bring people around who can comfort 
and help and uh, yeah, just be your presence uh, in a time of fear and anxiety and confusion. Um, yeah, God, we, we trust that you can hold all this and you can do all this. And so we just ask that you be here in all of it. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, we are in week two of a sermon series called This Must Be Stronger Than That. We are also in the second week of Lent. And so the two have kind of worked together really well so far. And I'm going to try to explain both of them briefly. Um, Lent, the word Lent actually means springtime. And so the idea is that Lent is meant to be the church's springtime, a time when out of the darkness of sin's winter, a repentant, empowered people emerges. That it's like a seed that's planted in the ground that is working its way up through the dirt and there's transformation and there's movement. It's kind of got things coming out and then it breaks out of the ground into the light of Easter. So that's the trajectory of Lent. We're in this time where we're in the ground moving and changing and we're going to burst forth into Easter an empowered people. But we also have this sermon series called This Must Be Stronger Than That. And last week we started it, and it came from this uh, idea from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany uh, leading up to and during uh, early parts of World War II. And so he had this thing, this, meaning the people of God and how they lived out their faith in Jesus, must be stronger than that, referring to the discipline of the ways of the world around us. And so what he was talking about there was... In Germany, Adolf Hitler was in power and Nazism was growing and he was realizing that churches were starting to work along with uh, Hitler and, and, and follow along with that for a variety of reasons. But he believed that the church shouldn't be doing that. And so he started this uh, kind of a secret seminary. And he had a, a bunch of things that the people had to do. And, but he set up this list of things like this must be stronger than that. And so what was it that the people of God and the kingdom should look like in the face of, of the world? And so that's kind of how all of this started. And last week, Rich did a great job of introing that by saying that worship must be stronger than idolatry. We looked at a passage where Jesus chooses to worship God over something that's suggested to him by the devil. And he says, no, I've got to worship God. I'm not going to worship you. And we're going to look at that again in a second, that same passage. But... Um, one of the things I love to do is either show movie clips or pieces of culture that, uh, that reflect these kinds of things. And so I have a movie clip. I want you to know it's like a bunch of scenes from a bunch of movies um, that talk about truth. And so what I want you to do is kind of listen. And we're going to take a couple, uh, just a few seconds at the end of this and ask, what did the things you hear, what things did you hear about truth in this clip? I also want to let you know there's some pretty strong emotions happening in these clips. Um, and so if that's something that you feel like, you know what, today I'm just not in a space to be dealing with that. Uh, feel free to plug your ears, take a walk in the foyer. You'll know when it's done. Um, so just, yeah, we'll go with that. So remember, listen for uh, stuff about truth, and then we'll talk about that real quickly at the end. So here we go. Universal truth, so I'll call it. It is a fact. Plain and simple fact that what is true and right is true and right for all. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! No, no, the truth is a matter of circumstance. It's not all things to all people, all the time. Because you can take it from me. The truth? It's overrated. 
You practice anything a long time, you get good at it. You tell a hundred lies a day, it sounds like the truth. You don't want the truth. You make up your own truth. I must know the truth, Master. Tell me the truth, Frank. Remember that? We used to live by it. And you know what's so good about the truth? Everyone knows what it is, however long they've lived without it. No one forgets the truth, Frank. They just get better at lying. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer of the truth. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Truth. Tell the truth. I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. They're all too weak to see the truth. Well, I believe in truth. But I'm also a big fan of justice. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. You both deserve the truth. Tell them the truth. Truth, but truth is in the eye of the bulk. The truth is what I say it is. <laughs> when I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love has always won. There have been tyrants and murderers and for a time, they can seem invincible, but in the end, they always fall. What one does when faced with the truth is more difficult than you think. I learned this the hard way a long, long time ago. And now, I will never be the same. You wish I would have called you? You know I didn't call you, Justin? Because every time I throw you a pass, you bat it down, just like you're doing now. That's not what we're doing. Come at me with all these, these legal excuses about the system, about, about how the truth doesn't matter. The truth matters! So, what are some things you heard in there about the truth? Just feel free. What's that? Relative. It's relative. Okay. Other stuff. You can just shout it out. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to catch you in the right rhythm. So just. It matters. It matters. Excellent. Everyone knows. The truth. Everyone knows. Oof. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's hard to handle. Sometimes it's hard to handle. Yep. Maybe two more. Truth is according to me. Hmm. One more. Can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. Oh, some days it sure feels like that. Right? And so all those things are, are in our culture. And sometimes in our own hearts about the truth. And it's not just movies. Right? We have a very famous artist right now called Lizzo, and she has a song called The Truth Hurts. Bono, 
quoting Harlan Howard, a famous country singer, says, all I've got is a red guitar, three chords, and the truth. We live in a time where there's all kinds of things going on about truth. Fake news, sort of the new way of saying lying. Our Declaration of Independence says there are some truths and they're self-evident. Rich and I got to have lunch with a good friend of ours uh, and a good friend of some of yours too, Shalise Stern. She's a professor of theology at the Seattle School of Psychology and Theology. And uh, she asked us this question. She said, what do you want? And if we're talking about like what I want to eat or something like that, that's a fairly simple question to answer. But the follow-up she said was, you know, the difficult thing about this is going to the place you need to go in order to honestly answer that question is so hard because it can utterly destroy you. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? And we started to talk. How many of us have had something we really desired, like deep in our heart, and we took it to God and it didn't happen? And so then sometimes you might just stop going there. And then there are individual truths, right? I prefer, this is me personally, cold, wet, gray weather. And I'm fairly alone on that island, but that's all right. Um, I recently saw a Saturday Night Live skit that... um, it was a parody of the Disney show High School Musical. And if you're not familiar with High School Musical, it is, uh, takes place in high school and it's a musical. So everything is musical all the time. And so the skit was this main character comes back and it's the graduation from the, the year after his graduation and he gets up on stage and he says, yep, I was here last year just like you, having a good time singing, but I'm not here to talk about last year. I'm here to talk about what happened this year. And the principal gets up and says, maybe you shouldn't. And he's like, you should sit down. Uh, And then he goes on to say, you know, my first day on college was starting off great. I was feeling nervous and excited. So I started singing a song called Nervous and Excited. And I realized that nobody else sings outside of our high school publicly like that. When you're laying in your bed at night and you start singing, everyone can hear you. He was just acknowledging that his reality was not what everyone else experienced. His truth was not what everyone else experienced. And right now, with, with the, the COVID-19, there's, I'm all amped up and I'm checking the internet. No, I'm not, I need to get away. And there's, okay, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. No, and I just gotta act normal. We gotta, and it's all over the place. Truth is a really weird word for us right now. But I wanna look at a moment, again, we looked at this last week, but I wanna relook at the same passage where Jesus had to deal with some lies that were being told to him. So this is Luke 4, 1 through 13. If you have your Bible, you can read along there. It'll also be up on the screens, so you can read there. Again, Luke 4, 1 through 13. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, 
It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And so we have this moment of kind of Jesus versus the devil. Devil is there to tempt Jesus, to try to get him off track. And Jesus' response every time is to go to Scripture, his Scripture, which was the Old Testament. Now, the devil is super crafty because one thing you'll notice is the devil in the, in the third temptation says, oh, Jesus is quoting scripture. I'm gonna quote scripture. I'm gonna use his tool against him, right? And so the devil tries to do that. But one of the things we know about the devil, if we remember in John 8, 44, it says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for is there, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's the devil's nature. That's where the devil starts. That is his native language. So anything else, whatever else is attached to that, it's always lies. So he comes to Jesus. He's trying to tweak the truth, trying to make it something different. And Jesus responds. And it's interesting because every other time Jesus says, it is written, it is written, uh, the NIV translates Jesus' third response as, it is said. I don't know what that means, but it just was interesting that he chose a different response at that time. One of the other things that's interesting is all of Jesus' responses are from the book of Deuteronomy. Walter Brueggemann, a, a theologian, says that Deuteronomy is the theological center of the Old Testament, and it's heavily tied to Israel's time in the desert. In fact, chapters 1 through 30 have this big section that's this recounting of Israel's wandering through the desert. There's another section about the importance of following Yahweh and that if Israel is unfaithful, repentance is there and God is there to receive them. There's a song, there's a blessing of Moses and a transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua and then Moses' death. And Jesus then carries all of that into the desert with him. And so when the devil approaches, Jesus brings all of Israel, all of Israel's history in there with him. And so even when the devil quotes scripture from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, says it is written, brings up a seeming even contradiction in scripture. What do we do? We got on one side, it says, yeah, God won't let anything happen to you. On the other side, it says, mm, don't put God to the test because something might happen to you. And the devil tries to stir all that up. And Jesus just stays with scripture. Says, God is the one whom I worship. God is the one who's in control of the Psalm 91 stuff. Right? That's not for me to control. And so we have Jesus relying on scripture for his understanding of both who he is and who God is in a way that allows the truth in his life to be stronger than the lies. But that's not the only place where Jesus does this. 
If we look at Luke 14, verses 18 through 21, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So if Jesus reading scripture, and then saying, not only am I reading it to you, I am fulfilling it, I embody it, I live it. And at first, the people are really excited about this. This is amazing. And then Jesus says, no, you don't get it. You're gonna ask me to do a bunch of miracles and stuff, but for all the wrong reasons. And he walks them through some of their own history. And then they decide, nah, we're gonna throw you off a cliff. And so Jesus is able to slip through the crowd. So we have Jesus here, not just knowing scripture, but living it out. If we look at Mark 5, verse 34, this is when Jesus is on the cross. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoted from Psalm 22. So we have Jesus entering the reality and truth of human suffering and a sense of and a reality of being abandoned by God. It's not just the times when Jesus is faced with a temptation that he sort of is able to rise up and say, no, I'm gonna choose this right path. There are times where Jesus enters into our realities as difficult as they are and says, I will stand with you. I am one of you, even to my own death. That is truth. And so how does that then become truth being stronger than lies? It means Jesus leans in to Scripture to combat the lies of the enemy, even when Satan uses Scripture in his own lies. But again, it's bigger than that. And if we can do the same as followers of Jesus, if we can walk with Jesus and lean into Scripture, live it out, we're going to find something there. And what we're going to find is this in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. It's not just some words. It's not just an idea or a theory. It's not a promise. It is that, uh, it's a person. The truth is living and active. And that makes it really different. One of the writers of uh, one of the Gospels, his name is John, he also wrote a couple of letters. He uses words like, the word became flesh. He says, we have seen it, we have heard it, we have touched it. So the truth becomes stronger than lies as it is lived out. Because it's Jesus that must be stronger than lies. Do you and do I, do we go to Jesus? There's a song we sang earlier, 
about being the center. Center my life on your name. Is Jesus at the center? Especially when Jesus asks us, like he does in John 1.38, and if you remember the story, it's right at the beginning of John, and John the Baptist has been talking about Jesus, and he's the one to come and all this stuff, and he's hanging out with his disciples, and Jesus walks by, and two of his disciples are like, oh, and John says, yeah, that's the Lamb of God, the one we've been talking about. And so they follow Jesus, and Jesus stops, because this is what you should do when someone's following you, and turns and says, what do you want? And they say, oh, uh, we want to know where you're staying. And Jesus says, come and see. And we've talked about that passage before, and I wonder if that's not how Jesus responds to everyone. When they come to him and he says, what do you want? And we present our stuff, and he says, come and see. Come and see. Come and experience me. Come and experience truth. Come and experience what's real. And whether it's in the face of lies, great celebration, utter destruction, do we know that Jesus is there? Can Jesus be stronger than the lies in this world? In the face of fake news, lying politicians, advertisements that say in order to be this, you must have this, the lies that blind us to the truth, can we go to Scripture and find Jesus, and find that Jesus is the truth, and that Jesus informs and shapes us through a relationship with him and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through Scripture, and it's this really interesting cycle that we go, Jesus goes to Scripture, we go to Scripture, we find Jesus, Jesus says, oh yeah, I'm like this, and it's just this amazing, and he says, yep, come back to Scripture, okay, I'll go back to Scripture. We find Jesus, and we find him everywhere, in all kinds of situations, good, bad, in between. I have two other passages I wanna read, um, but we can have, if the worship team and the prayer teams wanna uh, come up and and be ready for, in a second, uh, uh, I'll read these passages and then I have a couple of questions I wanna ask, but the worship team will be ready. Uh, They'll play for a moment uh, instrumentally because you have these connection cards on your chairs and if you would like to, you can write answers uh, to the questions I'll ask on there. Uh, If you also wanna take those home, feel free to take a picture of the questions with your phone, that's totally fine too. So a couple of passages and then a couple of questions. These are again from John. I love John, he's a poet uh, and he just does some really cool stuff. This is John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is from 1 John 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light 
In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The truth. God is. God is light. He has sent his son that we could know him through the power of the Holy Spirit, be empowered to receive Jesus so we can know the Father. The questions I have for you this morning are first, what lies do you encounter in the world and in your life? Maybe the your life one feels too personal so you can answer uh, the world one. Just what do you sense in your spirit that, yep, that's not true? Two, does Jesus have anything to say about this? There could be a scripture verse you have attached to that that's in your heart. Maybe not. What do you sense Jesus saying about this? And then lastly, how can the truth be stronger than lies in your life or in the world? Could be that We've been talking a lot about scripture for not just today, but for the past month or so. I'm gonna spend some time in scripture. Well, I don't like to read scripture. Okay, well, have it on audio somehow. Find a way. I don't like to listen to stuff. Okay, have someone talk to you about scripture. Find a way to make it happen. Uh, maybe it's that, um, you know, I was talking with Jessica before we started, and uh, can you just repeat to me what you said? I don't wanna, miss, I don't wanna say it wrong. Uh, so the sense I had this morning um, was just that we need to be overwhelmed by God and his presence in a space when everything feels really overwhelming right now. Um, and that when that we allow that overwhelmingness of God's presence, um, the other stuff is still going to be there. It doesn't like magically disappear, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. So maybe it's hearing a word, an invitation to be in the presence of God in a way that we're gonna immerse ourselves in that presence. Okay, I'm gonna pray. The worship team will, will play for a second and then um, we'll close, close with a song. Jesus, I give you great thanks that you are the truth. Lord, it's not some uh, nice bumper sticker or something like that, but you yourself, an individual, a person, living, active, are the truth. What a great thing to know that the truth has warmth, the truth has breath, the truth has life. It's not just something that is etched in stone, cold. Jesus, I'm so thankful for that. I pray you would help me, you would help us to have you be more present in our lives. That we would open ourselves up more to see you, to follow you, to engage, to be willing to engage, to be willing to be challenged, to be willing to be changed 
to become more like you. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we ask you would help us in this. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.